right with God when it's time for that breath. And I'm here to tell you, there's nothing worse than coming to saving faith in Jesus later and realizing all the things we messed up on. So today is the day of salvation. Don't neglect eternity because those who come to Jesus get abundant life now and are prepared for eternal life in the hereafter. Jesus has abundant life for you and it's available right now. As Pastor Daniel will share, today is the day that you need to decide whether you're going to accept Jesus' free gift of grace or not. Today needs to mark the rest of your life. Pastor Daniel will be encouraging you throughout today's teaching to really grab hold of all that Jesus is offering and to turn away from your sins. He is the bread of life and he will sustain you for eternity. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Exodus chapter 16 as he continues his message, I am the bread of life. Moses gave us bread. What are you going to do for us? And Jesus starts to explain to them, he starts to explain to them what's going on. Look what he says. In verse 32, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you. Now listen, when you read most assuredly, I say to you in the Bible, in some of your translations, it says verily, verily, I say to you, or amen, amen, I say to you. That means Jesus is being like, listen up. That's the way you translate that in modern English. Jesus is like, hey, you, focus. Listen. How many parents out there know what that's like with your kids? Yeah. That takes work, right? I'm like, I'm like a little Obadiah. I'm like, focus, buddy, focus. He's like, I'm I'm listening, Dad. When Jesus says, most assuredly, I say to you, he's saying, look, focus. I'm going to tell you something really important. Listen to what he says. Most assuredly, I say to you, verse 32, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven to give life to the world. You see what Jesus says here? He's saying, look, Moses didn't do it. God did it. And the gift of bread is not in the past. It's in the present. And God wants to give you the true bread. And that true bread is God's gift to you. And they say, Lord, give us this bread always. Like they're getting excited. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. You see that? They wanted the true bread of God. And Jesus is like, look, that's me. Now, this is why I believe Jesus is the most controversial person in the world. This is why nobody comes down apathetic about Jesus. Because Jesus starts talking this way, and now all of a sudden we got to deal with Jesus. I remember, I, I didn't grow up in the church. Some of you know a little bit of my story. I didn't grow up in the church. I remember when I went to college. Now, I didn't grow up having a faith in Jesus or anything. And I would go into all these classes and I watch a philosophy professor and a religions of the Western world professor and all these different professors. They're all obsessed about not believing in Jesus. And at one point, I remember sitting there in this class, pretty inebriated would probably be the right word. 
and thinking to myself, why are all these people so upset with this Jesus guy? And then I thought to myself, there must be something there. Because why are people so obsessed with proving that Jesus isn't the Messiah? You got to know that when people get all freaked out about proving someone's not the Messiah, you got to realize there's probably some teeth there. And that would begin my journey to say, I wonder what's really there. Why is everyone so freaked out about this guy named Jesus who died 2,000 years ago? What's the big deal? But then you read Jesus says stuff like this, and you're like, oh, I get why people are freaking out. Because Jesus is saying, look, everything that your soul longs for, you're going to find in me. Everything that you really want, everything that you long for, the truest satisfaction of the human soul, you're going to find only in me. So what's our response then? If the bread of life truly satisfies, then our response has to be to identify pseudo-saviors. You need to identify pseudo-saviors. When I say pseudo-saviors, that word pseudo means false. And what that means is that in each one of our hearts, there are things that we think will truly satisfy us, but they really won't. But we all have them, and we seek after them. And each one of us in our hearts have things that we think, that's going to satisfy my soul. And whatever it is that's not Jesus will never truly satisfy. I know what I found with pseudo-saviors. Oftentimes, our pseudo-saviors are not something that are horrendously bad. They're actually things that are good, but we think that they're going to do something different than they're meant to do. I don't know how many people I've met who their pseudo-savior is their spouse or the idea of a spouse, or children or the idea of children, or a career or the idea of a career. None of those things are bad, but if any of those things are meant to be the thing that gives you identity and worth, you know what you do? You set the spouse, the kids, and the job up for failure. You know why? It was never meant to fulfill you. Your spouse is meant to be your companion, no matter what Tom Cruise and Jerry Maguire says. Your spouse does not complete you. Jesus completes you. And your spouse enjoys that process. See, so often... So often, we set our spouses up for failure because we're saying, they're going to complete me. And nobody ever does. How many people have ruined relationships trying to get their spouse to be Jesus when Jesus is supposed to be Jesus and your spouse is supposed to be your companion? How many people have put all sorts of pressure on your kids because your kids need to be perfect because it validates your existence when God never meant for them growing up well is not meant to be your fulfillment. Jesus is your fulfillment, and you are seeking to disciple God's kids on loan. How many of us place our whole identity on our jobs when our jobs is holy work that God has given us, never meant to be your fulfillment? And let's be honest, who wants to be defined by their job anyway? I mean, what kind of sickness is that? Like, like, I'm going to teach second grade so good I'm going to get into heaven. I'm going to sell so many widgets. And that's going to, because I'm the salesperson of the year, like, you realize you're of so much more value than that. And God forbid I think I'm going to preach a good sermon and get into heaven. I mean, think about that. I mean, when I get to heaven, God's going to correct all of our theology, right? I'm talking about the almighty God, like... 
My friend, listen, you need to identify pseudo-saviors. What are you trying to make satisfy you which will never satisfy your soul? What are you trying to make your fulfillment that only the bread of life can be? We need to identify them. Now, look at what happens. Verse 36. Now it starts getting really, really profound. Look at what happens. Verse 36. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me. That of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. The Jews then complained about him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph? whose father and mother we know? How is it that he says, I have come down from heaven? And Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the father Except he who is from God, he has seen the Father. Now, Jesus is really getting serious now. He's starting to get verbal opposition from the people listening to him. Why? Because he keeps saying, I come down from heaven. That I come to do the will of my Father. He starts talking about, I will raise them up at the last day. You realize, my friends, that it is all at stake here. It's all at stake here. We're talking about life and eternal life. We're talking about this life and the next life. Jesus is talking about very serious things here. And this is why Jesus, everybody wants to make Jesus a little more palatable. Think about what he's just saying. He's saying, verse 36, I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. See what Jesus is saying? He's saying, look, my Father will give me those who are mine. That's what it means to be born again. Maybe you've heard about that. It's when somebody realizes that I believe in God and God says, look, if you believe in me, then you have to believe in my son. And someone responds to that call and say, I'm with Jesus. And I believe there's many of you, there's many here today, there's many of you watching online. We have a huge online audience. There's people in other venues who are watching this. And listen, I'm here to tell you, if you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can't say, I believe in God and I don't believe in Jesus. You can't say that. Jesus won't let you say that. He won't let you. This is the will of the Father who sent me, verse 39, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, 
and raise it up at the last day. If you believe in God, God wants you to believe in his son, Jesus. Because that is how we become one with the Father. Now, do you know why people don't like this? Because believing in Jesus is bad for religion. That's good, right? You could tweet that. Believing in Jesus is bad for religion. Because you know what happens? Good old-fashioned religion, you don't want it to just be believe in Jesus. It's like, no, you got to come here to church. we got to give you our special way we do communion. And then you're right. And you got to keep coming back because if you keep coming back and we keep doing a little thing and you get the right communion, now you're right with God. No, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the great religion killer. And even today, many, many churches, you have to come here because we're going to worship on the right day, in the right way, at the right time, with the right words and the right Bible. And Brothers and sisters, we need to simply respond to Jesus. We just need to come to Jesus, just like Jesus says, I always do the will of my Father. We just say, Lord, what do you want from this life? What do you want? See, by the time we get to verse 41 and following, the people are getting upset because they realize what Jesus is saying. Look at their, their issue in verse 42. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it he could say, I have come down from heaven? He's saying, look, we know this dude. Don't we know his dad, his mom? How can he say he came down from heaven? And Jesus says, don't murmur amongst yourself. Listen, I want you to look at that person next to you and say, don't murmur. Go ahead, look at the person. Go ahead, tell them. Don't murmur. Look at the person on the other side. They're doing it too. Say, don't murmur. I love that word murmur because it's one of those words that it sounds like what it is. You know what murmuring is? Words are creative. If you're a child of God, there should be no murmuring in your heart. You should just be praising God. And every time you catch yourself murmuring, you got to realize, wait, that's not, that's not who God is. Well, you ever see Jesus murmuring in the Bible? Like, Lord, I can't believe these are my disciples. I mean, seriously, Lord, these guys can't get anything right. They don't understand. I've been with them for three years. They would fail the final exam. I mean, if anyone could murmur, it's Jesus, right? I mean, like, he brings his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane. It's his most heart-wrenching hour, and they're sleeping. Don't we all love the friend who's sleeping on the job? Like, hey, look, I need you to be here. I need you to be all in. And they're just like, <sighs> can you imagine Jesus just being like, Lord, if, I mean, we are in trouble here. And then Jesus probably thinks, oh, I'm just getting crucified. The Holy Spirit's going to have to deal with them for like the next 2,000 years or whatever. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know that that really happened. But you can imagine that. If anyone could murmur, it's God with us. Because we struggle to get almost anything right. But Jesus says, look, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I believe there's some here today God is drawing you. For some of you, for the very first time, by the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond to God's drawing. For others of us, we've already believed, but we still need to respond to the drawing of the Father. No matter how long you've been walking with God, you realize that it is not always easy to respond to the drawing of God because we're pretty good at trying to do an end around on the Almighty, right? 
try and package it the right way. We come up with all the right objections. We even have a couple scriptures. No, Lord. God is drawing each one of us. See, Jesus even quotes a verse for them. Notice, it is written in the prophets, they shall all be taught by God. That's Isaiah chapter 40, 54, verse 13. And he said, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Wow. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to who? To Jesus. So if it's all at stake here, what's our response? Our response is don't neglect eternity. Don't neglect eternity. Because Jesus keeps saying, if you come to me, I will raise them up at the last day. And you know what the problem with this generation is? Is that we're so focused on the here and now that we forget to think consequentially. That's something I learned from Pastor Bill Ritchie. That sometimes we fail to think consequentially that this life is not all that there is. That we are all created to live eternally. It's just a matter of how and where. And in all of the needs of this life, don't neglect eternity because eternity can happen in a moment. And that's not a scare tactic. That's just stone cold reality. You could come face to face with eternity in a moment in time. All of a sudden, brain aneurysm. All of a sudden, driver in the wrong lane. All of a sudden, a massive heart attack for no apparent reason. We all live one breath away from eternity and it makes no sense to neglect it. We were created to live longer than just 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years. And you want to be right with God when it's time for that breath. And I'm here to tell you, there's nothing worse than coming to saving faith in Jesus later and realizing all the things we messed up on. So today is the day of salvation. Don't neglect eternity because those who come to Jesus get abundant life now and are prepared for eternal life in the hereafter. Now, look at what happens. Verse 47. Most assuredly, I say to you, remember what Jesus, that means listen up, focus. He says, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread, verse 51, which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled amongst themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven. 
Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now that's some crazy talk from Jesus, right? Now, I'm going to give you the point and then we'll break it down. Complete oneness with Jesus is the plan. Complete oneness with Jesus is the plan. See, Jesus starts talking crazy here because he's the bread of life. He says, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. He's like, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. They're dead. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will live forever. Now, either if you're gothic, you might think that that's kind of cool. Or if you're a big fan of Hannibal Lecter and those movies, you might think this is kind of cool. But all of us, we hear Jesus say that, we think to ourselves, he can't be saying that. And here's the thing. Jesus is using highly metaphorical language here. But language that if you've ever read your Bible, you realize that Jesus' desire in the eating of his flesh and the drinking of his blood is total and complete oneness with Jesus. My friends, I want you to think about this for, for just a second here. Think about this. When you eat something, it becomes one with your body. And Jesus in saying that I'm the bread of life and if you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, then you will have eternal life. He's saying, look, I want to be so intimately connected with you, complete oneness, that you and I are one. Because the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus is that on that cross, Jesus and us became completely connected. Jesus became our sin on that cross. And Jesus took the punishment for our mistakes and he rose from the grave. And when he rose from the grave, all who would believe in him would rise from the grave with him. Isn't this what Jesus said in Matthew 26, 26 to 28? Remember the last supper? He took the bread. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. He took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. See, Jesus, in saying we need to eat his flesh and drink his blood, he's saying, I want you to be completely united with me. I want us to be so one flesh because you realize that my broken body and my poured out blood is necessity for your life. It's necessary for life. And I think this is why people don't like Jesus really in this culture, in our culture. You know why? Because we want to say, I can do it myself. Jesus is real. The final meal Jesus had with his disciples before his death on the cross was symbolic of who he was and is to you. Pastor Daniel reminded you that when you take communion at church, you are partaking of Jesus, the bread of life. He wants to become one with you, to be your life, to be all you need. Pastor Daniel shared that you need this union to have the abundant life you crave. Don't go it alone. Let Jesus be part of who you are. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more. Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God 
and how that teaches you to love yourself well, from those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you. And that's what transforms our world. Find out more and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel will tell you something that might come as a shock. Jesus' path isn't one of ease and comfort. In fact, Jesus often took the road less traveled, walking into the hard places instead of skirting around them. Pastor Daniel will encourage you to embrace this as a follower of Jesus and learn why he didn't take it easy during his ministry. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.